Welcome to the Perfectly Integrated Podcast, hosted by Matt Ackerman, where we show the power of teamwork in wealth management. Now, on to the show. Insurance. Maybe it's because of Willie Loman, maybe it's because of its association with death, but the word, heck, the idea of insurance makes a lot of smart people shudder. It's a conversation that a lot of wealth managers avoid altogether. But with September being Life Insurance Awareness Month, and with the genius of my next guest, I decided, heck, let's talk insurance. Welcome back to Perfectly Integrated. I'm Matt Ackerman, but you know that. What you don't know is my guest today is Peter Kaplan. Peter recently joined Integrated Partners to spearhead all things insurance. And I've had the pleasure to really get to know Peter over the last few months. And I, I think what really stands out to me isn't necessarily his genius, his acumen. All those are great things. Don't get me wrong. But I really love that he genuinely cares. And today, I'm proud to welcome Peter to the show. Hey, Peter, welcome to Perfectly Integrated. Thanks, Matt. Great to be with you. So, Peter, start at a high level for us. Why is insurance something that advisors, probably all of our listeners included too, they really can't afford to ignore? So, it's a great question. But, you know, as advisors look at their clients' needs, every client has different needs. And when one looks at a financial planning pyramid where most of our advisors start integrated, you know, it's a planning-based organization. Our independence is key. But when we look at it, insurance does form the foundation. And very often in you know families that are looking to create wealth and or protect wealth or ultimately leave a legacy, insurance is a really, really good tool. And that's what it is, a tool or instrument that people could and should use. Why they avoid it? Great question. <laughs> As I said <laughs> earlier, I think a lot of people avoid it because it's tough. It's not easy to bring up that mortality or death discussion. I think people have had bad experiences where that square peg has been tried to force in the round hole, where they've just been asked to buy, 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 as opposed to, you know, solve a challenge or a, or, or a problem. I think there's the misconception that the insurance of 100 years ago is the same insurance as today. And uh, the, the, the challenges of procuring it, your health is scrutinized, your height and weight is scrutinized, and it's not a pleasant discussion. So a lot of our wealth managers will just avoid the discussion because it's tough to talk about death, it's tough about the product itself, people have had a bad experience. And then if they do decide to implement, it's very often an unpleasant experience to go through. A lot of that's changed. But in a nutshell, I think those are the, the primary reasons why it's avoided. Now, I'm going to take a quick step back for our listeners and, you know, tell us a little bit about your background, Peter. I, you know, I hear your voice immediately. I want to know, okay, tell me about who you are, where you come from. Tell me your story. So my story is interesting. So I found the way, my way into the insurance industry by mistake or by accident, as a lot of people who started in this business did. Uh, I'm an accountant by profession. The accent, you know, it's not Rutherford, New Jersey, Matt. It's Cape Town, South Africa. <laughs> I grew up in Cape Town. I really wanted to be a doctor. I love helping people. In fact, in South Africa, you start studying directly in medical school. There's no pre-med program. So I started studying medicine. I was a volunteer paramedic for many years. And in fact, during my early years of study, I maintained and continued that. I probably should have spent more time in the chemistry lab than I did in an ambulance. So that got me excluded from the medical faculty. I'm not embarrassed to, to say and went into my second love, which was business. I, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. My dad owned a chain of, of clothing stores, interesting enough. So I became an accountant. But the challenge with becoming an accountant is, especially the field that I chose, which was audit, incorrectly so, was you look at a point and backwards. And all of us financial planners look at a point 
today and looking forward and how we help prepare our clients for that. So I think with my love of helping people on the paramedic side, I was just helping people in a different way with insurance. And I was given the opportunity to get a different look at that industry. I delivered a benefit check very early in my career, which really set me on the path to helping people using insurance. 2001, my family, two-year-old, well, he was one at the time, I guess. Um, and then my wife and I decided to immigrate. We landed January 2002. And uh, I've been affiliated with this insurance industry since you know 1990 and have continued throughout and have helped a lot of people, a lot of advisors with their practices, with positioning of insurance appropriately for their clients. And I just help in a way that most cannot or will not. But that, that's what I do. I just love helping. That's me. You use that word a couple of times, helper, helping. Obviously, all your work with uh, with uh, in, in the ambulance corps there, it, it really all roots back to being someone who's here to help others. That kind of mindset is, I think, something that's we see a lot in the financial services and especially the financial advice space is people that want to be helpers. You know, that, that helper's mindset though, it isn't something I, I believe can be taught. It's something that's kind of ingrained in your brain. Don't you agree? I, I agree 100%. And in fact, looking at all my partners here at Integrated, that's all they do. They help, they guide, they sometimes challenge the status quo, but ultimately looking for a better outcome for their clients. And like you said, I'm new to Integrated. While I've known the integrated team for many, many years, just being part of this group who love helping and supporting and positioning and ultimately advocating for their clients is wonderful. And, you know, for me, the life insurance space is, is a space where you really advocate for those who cannot advocate for themselves. The widows, the orphans, the ill, the infirm, life insurance plays a part. And uh, I just love doing what I do. So here I am supporting the integrated partner firms to do that. And you stand at a unique place to do it too. You mentioned the CPA mindset, the accountant's mindset is to kind of take from that point backwards. The wealth manager kind of takes from that point and looks forwards. So you kind of stand at this unique fulcrum where you can kind of 360 and see everything and see how all the pieces fit together well. I mean, do you find that when you work with CPAs, you're helping them look forward and with advisors, you're helping them to kind of see the full picture here and how insurance can kind of hold these pieces together? I think I, I think I am, but I think the integrated team is as well. You know, we we are a planning-based firm. And in order to develop a plan which is flexible for each client, one needs to look back their current situation, what they have, hear their goals, their aspirations, their dreams, and what do they position, whether it be assets under management, insurance, alternative investments, just support and listening, you know, a goal to buy a boat, build a new vacation home, whatever it is. That's what we do. But you do need a 360. You're right. You cannot just look at things in isolation. It needs to be a complete picture. And yeah, the fact that I can read financial statements and understand them, uh, use financial ratios to get to where we need to go and understand what, what the dollar really does and support the client and their goals, yeah, it gives me a really nice, unique perspective. And you said there too, you are a problem solver and and you help to kind of create the right solutions here to fit, fit fix things. Why is it so important then to really customize solutions client by client? You know, the, there is no, I guess, one size fits all here. And you kind of really bring that mindset here. And most people, when they see insurance, they see something that is just, you know, one size is supposed to fit all. You don't see it that way, though, right? I absolutely don't. You know, I, I love building the, the the puzzle with all the pieces that are given and then having the unique 
insight into the different products from the different companies and how they could potentially apply to that particular solution or that situation and then evolve a solution that's custom for that client. No, I, I mean, it actually scares me sometimes when I will walk into a firm as an example and see all four partners having exactly the same product. One is single, one is married, one has kids, one doesn't have kids, one will never get married. Their situation is so different. So therefore you have to, well, one doesn't have to. I would advocate that one has to develop a custom plan for every individual and then configure the tools or products appropriately. There is no one such no no such one thing in my opinion that one size fits all. Yeah, one size. It's it always feels to me when you're trying to force that round peg into a square hole. That's when the trouble starts. You said that from the beginning. And I think that that's so important. It but can you teach kind of this solution mindset? Can you help people to kind of understand that the importance of really customizing every solution out there? Well, the good news here at Integrated, I don't know that I have to teach it because mm -hmm. I think all my colleagues and partners here have that mindset. They are planners at their very core. So I don't know that it has to be taught here. Can it be taught? I think, yes, education is key. Um, understanding a landscape, an environment, situational, showing case studies, absolutely, one can teach it. But the good news at Integrated, as I say, everyone has a pl planning mindset. There's no, and I think I may have said it wrong, you know, round hole, square peg, square peg, round hole. But <laughs> there is no, they don't have that mindset, Matt. So yes, it can be taught to answer your question. Integrated's got a wonderful group of planners that, that planning is at their very core. So I don't know that we have to teach it yet, but I'm there to support it. Yeah. Because we cannot all be experts in everything. And the fact that Integrated has a team that can bring to bear their expertise in my particular silo to complement what others are doing, that in itself is power and educational, which I guess, to your point, teaches the, the solution mindset. So, yeah, that's what I we're think One of the things with insurance I always find very interesting is I think some advisors think of insurance like icing on a cake. Hey, I've already done all your work. Now let's put the insurance piece into this puzzle. When and where should the insurance conversation happen? You know, as you're building a, you know, well-diversified financial plan for your clients. Great question. And I'll roll back to your previous question. Is there a one size fits all? There isn't. Right. So when, when could it or should it be introduced? And I would answer that, that where appropriate, right? Insurance isn't the right tool to use or the right solution for every single situation. But along the way, there are many places that it can be introduced. In the younger families that are accumulating wealth, protection is critical. And on the other end of the spectrum, for those who have accumulated massive amounts of wealth, and they may have to avoid and or structure their affairs in a way that tax efficiency is critical, insurance could be introduced at that point. Somewhere in the middle, there's a blend of, can we use some cash that's tax efficient to leverage life insurance to help build a legacy? Do we know that given our retirement plan, we'll leverage most of the income? And you know, if we have a long-term care event, as an example, perhaps insurance may play a part there. So I think right across the planning spectrum, it should be addressed and potentially discussed. At the ultra-affluent space, sometimes insurance is not a need, but a very valuable tool. But right across the spectrum, at any point in the planning situation or um, planning scenario, it should be discussed. I think, as you alluded to, a lot of our colleagues just don't talk about it because that 
mortality factor is is so scary the number of attorneys for example that i speak with where the clients have engaged them to draft a will to draft a trust but they never get signed and completed and correctly executed speaks to that fear of, of mortality but along with that you know i worry about morbidity you know we're an aging population we will at some point get sick some of us will need longer term care memory challenges are prevalent in today's world and 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 just you know building insurance around that to take care of a portion of what could you know impact one's wealth again insurance should be introduced somewhere along the way and if it's discounted so be it but at least as a planner we're bringing it to the forefront and saying this is what could it could do and it might do for you and you know if the client decides against it or the advisor feels that they can accommodate it in a different way don't force it but it should be raised. Matt, I started by having a conversation saying, you know, insurance is a tough conversation to bring up, the mortality issue you mentioned, but it's also that mindset of that this is something often that is sold in their head. Insurance is, you know, you have an insurance salesman. I talked about Willie Loman jokingly when I started, but how can you avoid it feeling like something that is sold when it comes to insurance? And instead, it's something that's a solution to all of this. You've answered your question. It is just that. It's a solution. Mm -hmm. And one of potentially many. I think given the fact that by my very nature, I'm a planner and a helper, and my integrated colleagues are all planners, to bring different solutions to bear or different ways to tackle a problem is exactly that. And I think that takes away the sale. It's not. It's simply a tool that's going to be implemented to help achieve that outcome in the most tax-advantaged manner. And, you know, where it's sold because this is the greatest bell or this is the greatest whistle or this is the shiny object, that makes it feel like a sale. Um, a 22-year-old shouldn't be considering long-term care insurance. As an example, yet I see it, right? 22-year-olds mm -hmm. who are starting in their first job may not need insurance today, but their future insurability could be protected. So positioning it in that way, as opposed to just selling, well, you should buy a million dollars of term, which we see is not necessarily right. But as they work with a plan and build their financial plan and strategy, insurance may become important down the road. So therefore, bringing it in early may be the right solution. But um, unfortunately, sometimes it, it does sound like a sale. Um, I think the way we position it, and I certainly work with my colleagues in that, it's it's really just a solution or a means to an end. It's it's not buy the latest shiny thing with these gadgets. That's that's and I, I'm pretty adamant about that. It shouldn't be a sale. It should be a solution that's put on the table. And and for that 22 year old you talk about, they might just think about insurance in a different way. It might be a different conversation. They might have aging parents that they're trying to help care for. They may have you know a parent or a loved one with dementia or special needs that they're caring for. I think you begin every conversation with listening in such a unique way that you know it's not one size fits all. Every 22-year-old is different, and they all may have different insurance needs. And it's important to hear what those are rather than to just sit there and try to rubber stamp the same solutions on everyone. That's that's how you build a, cl a, a client for life is to really listen. That's what I really believe. I, I, you are right, and yes, I do. And you know, just let me share a story. So Please. in my paramedic training, I had to spend time in a spinal unit learning how to turn patients who unfortunately were paralyzed due to you know, spinal injuries. And you look at the average age of the patient in those spinal units, they were under 25 years old. 
So a lot of these people, and today I look at my kids who are 23 and 20, they're driving around, they're out, they're doing whatever. There is high risk of these people having an accident. And please God, they're not injured and, and, and not disabled. But if they are, the emotional pressures and all the long-term care that's needed for them by their parents, very often they have student debt. So looking at things with a different eye, listening, understanding the plan, not only of the parent, but of the child. And you know, even if we're 80 and we've got a 40-year-old child, they're still our child. How do we take care of them in the most efficient way? I had a discussion with one of my colleagues the other day about her son graduating college with debt and what it would do to her and her husband if, God forbid, something happened to him. So there are lots of planning opportunities that we may walk by, but if we really care and we listen, you'll pick up on it. Her fear wasn't about her son dying. Her fear was the impact that it could have on her child's, or on, sorry, on their retirement if they had to take on the debt that their son has leaving college. So lots of application, Matt. And again, if it's the right tool at the right time for the right client, fantastic. If it's not, it doesn't have to be insurance. Not every problem is a nail. Therefore, not every solution is a hammer. And I'm very adamant about that. You're 100% right. But having those tools in your toolbox makes you more valuable. And I think about the way that it helps the advisor also to engage better with CPAs and other centers of influence. How have you seen how insurance can ultimately make you a better um, carpenter or a better or a better plumber to that general contractor when it is the CPA or other centers of influence? How can insurance really help build those relationships? Yeah, and I'll share that quick example. So working with one of my colleagues out of the Michigan office, he and I are presenting to a CPA a strategy where we, they will carve off a portion of returns from the assets he's managing to fund what we call a minimum non-MEC life insurance contract, which has got a low death benefit, high cash value. And the tax advantage to his client is phenomenal. And we are sharing that with the CPA. And I have no doubt that the CPA had no idea that this could be done because his tradition is, when you pay premium, you get death benefit. This is kind of upside down. You're going to pay premium. We're going to scale back the debt benefit and let these assets grow unencumbered, leveraging, and I won't get too nerded out with you, but section 7702 of the tax code <laughs> to, to get tax-free income into the client's hands. And it's part of the planner's plan for that client, which will get signed off by the CPA. But it does open that CPA's eyes to say, oh, hold on. My planner has an expert who can bring something to bear that we haven't looked at before. And I think if we can do that, you can change some of that negative stigma or connotation about what insurance is and what it does. And you're not buying it here for mortality. You're not even buying it for, for morbidity. You're buying it for a tax advantage strategy, which supports the retirement income plan of the client. To me, it all is about it all goes back to what we were saying about listening. It all goes back to having better conversations with your clients, better conversations with CPAs, other centers of influence. And it all begins with the insurance review, uh, which I think is just a great opportunity for listening. So how do you create that insurance review that really resonates? So perhaps you might hear some other things that maybe you didn't know a little earlier. That's a great question. And I mean, I know this is a podcast so people can't see my face, but you can. I'm smiling. That takes me back to my accounting days, right? Because we used to audit things. 
So people sometimes call this an insurance audit. It's not. I, I, I don't think anyone would enjoy going through an audit, especially not an IRS audit. So the review is something looking backwards. You bought this insurance contract at a point in time for a particular need. Suitability is key. Is it still relevant? The death benefit that you bought back then when your kids were young and you had a mortgage, is it relevant today when your kids are out on their own and there is no longer a mortgage? Is the product appropriate for your needs today? Has your health changed? Hasn't it changed? Has the product landscape changed? And oh boy, it has. There are so many newer products out there with lower cost, what I call the lower cost chassis, reducing drag on contracts. Life expectancy in the US, even though COVID is a blip, has overall lengthened. People are living longer. And as a result, the life insurance companies have repriced their products. Living longer allows them to reduce costs. Interest rates change all the time. So looking at old contracts in terms of current needs and current marketplace really affords the opportunity of diligence, the fiduciary responsibilities of our planners, of the trustees of trusts to take a look at things. And it really at no cost to them because we'll do it. We have a process that we follow. Um, it's rigorous and, and, and presents to the client opportunities that they're either good where they are, which is always nice to hear, or there may be some resuscitation needed with some minor tweaks to get the policy to where it needs to be, some retitling or tweaking to ensure that it's sufficiently tax efficient, and in some rare situations where you actually need to replace it. And of the thousands that we've done, I would tell you only about a third of the clients end up having to replace it, and about a third of them are fine where they are, and there's a third that needs some work. So I would highly recommend anyone listening to this or as I speak with advisors, doing a review because two thirds of the contracts that we review do need some form of work. So that, you know, it's, I smile, but yeah, it's an audit, but it's a review and it's in light of current situation and current product landscape. And it's always a good idea to take a second look at these, to re-review things. And it, like I said, it, for the advisor, it gives you an opportunity to to maybe see something you didn't see on first pass. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. It's so interesting because I think we work with and we live in skeptical times. We work with some skeptical people and there's always skeptics we deal with. So what's your advice to the advisor? They're still skeptical about insurance. They're skeptical about bringing anything that feels too producty, that feels too um, salesy into a client. What's your advice to them when they're still skeptical about insurance? In terms of skepticism, it's hard to overcome other than experientially, right? So if you bring the right person in with the right mindset, that they can listen and hear as opposed to the insurance salesperson coming in simply to sell product, I think that differentiates and should remove some of the skepticism. So experiential is probably my, my key differentiator. But I would also caution you know, my colleagues in the space is that they, they're not discussing insurance with their clients someone else is. And for me, the worst thing as a planner would be for someone to hear an idea from someone else rather than me. And I, I feel very strongly that you don't have to implement, but being educated and have experienced, you know, an insurance professional who's designing this, as you've called it, you know, configured or, or, or um, what, what's the word you used, unique 
plan that's built specifically for the client as opposed to one size fits all. Customized, thank you. I couldn't come up with a word. As opposed to a one size fits all solution should remove some of that skepticism. And then I think most of my colleagues on this call are sufficiently open-minded to recognize that while they are exceptional at planning and managing money, having the ability to leverage the integrated team of bringing in the experts on the business owner side, on the family office side, on the insurance side, on the planning side, tax side, you know, working with accountants, attorneys, et cetera, getting the full picture. Insurance is part of that picture, whether it's been bought in the past and needs that review, should be considered now or is implemented and ultimately, in my opinion, monitored going forward. It should be discussed and, and one shouldn't be skeptical if you've got the right partner in play. So terrific work. My last question though, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, and I'm sure you have, I'm sure you're a huge fan, but my last question is always from my son, CJ. And actually today's question is actually from his younger brother, Ryan. Uh, I was telling them at lunch today about this interview. I was talking about you a little bit and Ryan asked me, and I'm not kidding. Well, if he's from South Africa, can he explain rugby to me? It looks like a fat football and people hurting each other. So I know this is a tall task because you have to explain rugby and why it's a great sport to a young boy who's downstairs watching replays of last night's Orioles game. I kid you not. This is what he does during the day is he plays video games and, and he's six years old and rewatches the baseball game from the night before. So, so can you explain rugby to us? So I could do my best. I'm really relieved it was rugby and not cricket. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because if you asked me to explain cricket, we, we'd have to extend this by about four hours. But rugby and football are not dissimilar. Um, the goal is to score a touchdown or what we call in rugby a try. The fundamental difference is there's, there's no separation between offense and defense. All 15 players are on the field for the full time. And yes, there is no pad, so it looks like guys are just looking out to hurt each other. Another big difference between football and rugby is that only the ball carrier can get hit in rugby versus you can hit anyone in football. And uh, no 10-yard no ten downs. Rugby, you move the ball forward until you lose the ball. And I won't get into it because we'll be here for four hours. And if you lose the ball, the opposing team gets the ball, and then they get a chance to try and you know, advance to the try line or get into the, you know, into that, you know, the red zone and actually mm -hmm. ultimately score a, touch, a touchdown until they lose the ball. And then you can score points pretty much the same way you do uh, in football. A touchdown is called a try with five points. And then a, 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 the extra point after is, is called a conversion and it's worth two points as opposed to one. Uh, you can get penalty kicks exactly the same as a field goal, three points. Um, and that's pretty much how it's played. I, I I think it's an amazing game. I've watched it from the college level. I mean, a lot of colleges have club teams here, and but he was completely befuddled when he was watching it. And I think he got to hold a rugby, uh, the ball, and it was like, it's like this is too big. Yeah. So for a bigger than a football. Yes. Bigger than a football. You can't pass the rugby ball forward. There are lots of rules with it. But again, a lot less stop and start. There's certainly no TV timeouts. <laughs> um, but, so it's a, it's a it's a lot quicker i will tell you when i first got to the states and watched football like i couldn't understand it mm -hmm. so as much as, bef as befuddled as he is about rugby i was about football football i've come to love um it's a lot more technical than rugby the plays the pre-planning mm -hmm. um rugby is a lot more free-flowing 
And but, uh, it's but a great baseball, question. I'd love to watch a game with him, man. Nice. Well, I'll, I'd bring him up. He would love to. And then he's going to make you come watch baseball with him because yeah. he is unbelievably smart for a six year old about baseball. It's pretty scary to watch. Cool. I'll look forward <laughs> to that. Peter, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you making some time to chat with us today. Anytime, Matt. Love it every time. Bring it on. Absolutely. And thank you to our audience for joining us. Always a pleasure. If you'd like to go back, we have tons more episodes for you to listen to. And as always, I'm Matt Ackerman. Have a great day for Perfectly Integrated. For Integrated Partners, we'll be seeing you soon.